Hello and welcome back to Avatar the Podcast. Video format. Video format. Unless you're listening, in which case, still audio format. Yep. <laughs> we decided to do something a little different. Mm-hmm. Upgrade our, our, our podcast a little bit. And so going forward, we're going to be recording our episodes with video so we can put them on YouTube. Yes. It's so, so now you have the option. You yes. have an option. You can look at our face or not. Yes, because you can listen either way. Either, either way. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Although you're, you'll hurt my feelings if you decide not to look at our faces. Just saying. I mean, Greg, Greg asks you to come look at his face on Twitch every week. It's so. true. I put on a collar shirt for everyone. Look, look, look how nice I look. I know. That's you look so nice. Iffy. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm so excited to be back, by the way. I am too. Yes. I know. It's been so it's long. Been I hope it hasn't been too much of a wait for you all because Hopefully. it flew by for us. We were talking a couple of days ago and we're like, oh my God, it's April. Mm-hmm. Where, where did this come from? How did so much time go by? Mm-hmm. It's been a long wait. I think I've rewatched the first episode maybe seven times. Really? Oh, quite a bit. That might be over exaggeration, but more than three, maybe less than seven, somewhere in the middle there. More than three, less than seven. Yes. Okay, gotcha. Yes, well, quite a bit. <laughs> And, the, and yeah. then this morning, too, I didn't even realize I didn't listen to the audio commentary. So I got that done before we, we recorded. See, I'm so bummed that I didn't realize there was an audio commentary mm-hmm. or because I want to I want to watch that now. And I, I didn't have time before we recorded. So we're going to have to rely on you, Greg, to share okay. all the juicy details from the commentary. Yes. All of the juicy, very subjective that I thought was important details. Yes. 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 Uh, I will yes. say this, that the audio commentary, at least on the first episode, included Janet Varney, who we all know is the voice of Cora, and Brike. And everyone will be reassured to know that I can no longer tell Brike apart with, from their voices. I could for like two episodes and uh-huh. it's just gone. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're the same voice now. As far as I'm concerned, they're called Brike for a reason. That's true. That's true. They're Uh, one entity. I had a thought too, by the way. Uh How do you spell Brike? B-R-Y-K-E. That's how I spell it. But I'm wondering if there are any B-R-I-K-E people out there. Wonder if there's like a little. Like a a bike with an R? Yeah, yeah, because you you think B R Y because Brian Canet right Brian Canetsko yeah, is B R Y A I N, but Mike spells his name M I K E. So why That's does Brian get three from. letters in the <laughs> in this mashup I see of names? Going with this. But not okay. Mike. Uh huh. Okay, so fair. so so it's B R Y I K E. Oh, go. that's just too much. Brike. 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 Right. It's terrible. Remember when we said we're going to stay on topic and we're going to make these episodes because we're getting video a little shorter yeah. and then I went on a tangent about break versus break. It was it was necessary. It's a really good point, Greg. Thank you. Two, two letters versus three letters. That's that's hot air topic. This is my contribution to the show, everyone, by the way. Break versus <laughs> break. Well, since you did point it out, let's move on to our reviews because yes. we're back. With Cora, and we're also back with some more five-star reviews. Okay, I'll go first. I'll read first. I want to read the first. Okay. 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 Um, the first review of 2023 and of The Legend of Korra uh-huh. we're reading comes from Pika Person 123 And they write, Angtastic, the best. My favorite podcast. My favorite characters are Sokka, Toph, and Iroh. Thanks for this podcast, Acorn and Greg. 
cabbage cart forever. And there's a little cabbage emoji on there too. Mm -hmm. uh, drink tea, not war, Iroh. Tough rules. And I'm going to say 4,522.0145 repeating exclamation marks. Seems accurate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you forever. And then there's a little bit less there. There's 2,142.1022345 repeating. Uh, exclamation marks. I was searching for this podcast on Apple and I tried to write a review when I found this. And there's an up arrow. Uh-huh. I don't know if that's supposed to be like Aang's arrow. Maybe. No, it's that Aang's blue. arrow would be pointing the other direction. Maybe they're referring to like this podcast. Oh, this podcast. I thought it was like Aang's arrow like on his hand when he like does like an uppercut because then it's pointing out. Anyways. Uh, or it could be Aang lying down or upside down doing a headstand. <laughs> I think we're overthinking this. We're overthinking this. <laughs> I don't know when I wrote it, but this is still my favorite podcast. I like how you guys delve into the lore and background of the story. It makes the comics and show so, so much more fun to see. I just got it. What? Pika what Person123 wrote a review previously and they forgot that they wrote a review. <gasps> and then they came oh. back and added to the review. I think that's what it is. I think that's what it might be. Okay. Okay. Anyways, The Legend of Korra is my second favorite, so I can't wait for you to do all of the episodes. Favorite characters of the show, in all caps, Sokka, Toph, Korra. It says two-handle. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that's a typo. Uh, oh, 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 no, no. Oh, two-toph, two-handle. Two <laughs> I feel I've, I've failed you, Pika You person. missed the pun. I've that was for failed. you, Greg. Pika Person me. wrote that for you specifically. Yeah, what a shame. What a shame. I'm, that's it. I'm fired. That's it's, it. It's right, we're rusty. It it's okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> two-toph, two-handle, three Korra, four buff Iroh. That's a good number four. And last mm. but not least, the Kyoshi Island fainting person. Frothy. Frothy. Yes. Again, thanks for the show, Acorn and Greg. Have an angtastic and Korrific, The Legend of Korra. Have we have we talked about Korrific yet? We've not. I'm not. I'm not uh, opposed to it. Korrific. I, I like it's, it's it. It's a lot of rah Korrific. No, that sounds Cor horrific. No. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Korrific. Korrific. I'm gonna mess that up. I'm gonna I know. Every, all the time. It's, it's a good contender. Let's, let's good think contender. about it. We'll consider. We'll workshop it. Yes. We'll yes. workshop it. Thank you so much, Pika Person, Thank for that you. review. Mm -hmm. Our next review comes from Mo Eilich. Mo Eilich. Yeah, Mo yeah. Eilich, who writes short and sweet. Mm -hmm. Awesome. This podcast is amazing. Thank you. We got, Beautiful. I don't remember if we got this as an email or if we got this as a review somewhere. I'm, I'm forgetting. Mm -hmm. Someone brought up something that devastated my world. It what? shouldn't be Ang amazing. Uh -oh. It should be amazing. Oh no. My life is ruined forever. Amazing. Amazing. That's it, really good. It's very good. It's better than Ang amazing. Oh no. But because I'm stubborn, I'm, st I'm sticking with Ang amazing. I mean, also, isn't amaz amazing kind of low hanging fruit? You know, like it, it's what right. all we, the we other went, podcasts we went, would come up with. We reached. We, we, yeah. We, we, we Never mind what I said before. We we considered that because, uh -huh. you know, clearly we did. And um, we decided on Aang Amazing. Uh, yeah. our, our, uh, our marketing team decided that that was the better option. Which from, is the uh, Momo in your brain. <laughs> it's the Momo in my brain. <laughs> 
It's Momo yep. and Pabu in my brain, just running yes. around in circles. That's our marketing team, everyone. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. And uh, they decided through rigorous testing that Ang Mazing mm-hmm. uh, just tests better. Yeah, so, there you go. That's what it is, All I right, guess. Saved. Okay. The next review comes from H2O Dude 398. Mm-hmm. And they write, <laughs> This is the best podcast <laughs> ever. I hope you shout this out on your podcast. I love your I love your guys' podcast. Not caught up just yet, but I found it like a few weeks ago. Stay flaming. Also, your podcast is amazing. See? Yep. It just works. It just works. It just works. The, the public right. likes it. Yep. Never question the marketing team. H2O no. dude three nine eight. Thank you so much for that that review. Appreciate it. Yes, thank you. Our next one is Rev It Up 96, mm-hmm. who writes amazing as crap. <laughs> crap right. is amazing. It's pretty amazing. I got a lot of it. Look at my background. <laughs> they go on to say, hey, Acorn and Booster Greg, I absolutely love your podcast. And I know I'm late, but I wanted to say a few things. One, I love how you deep dive into the show and make connections with other shows, actors, etc. It's kind of new to me, but I like it. Two, Greg, your puns are annoying slash funny. And I can imagine these episodes without them. I don't know if that's a typo. Can imagine or can't imagine. I'm going to, for my sanity, I'm going to assume that it's can't imagine without them. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Three, Acorn Bandit. I love your name simply because it's Goofy and I love Goofy. My top favorite characters are in descending order of favorites, Azula, Iroh, Katara, Toph, and Zuko. I absolutely love Azula's character and story throughout the series from her cold open in the start of season two to her descent into madness in the series finale. She absolutely is the drive of season two and will stay in my favorite bad girl forever. You guys are awesome. The podcast is awesome. And I just wish I'd found it sooner. Much love. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Rev. Mm-hmm. And, and I agree. I agree that. as well. Thank unless you. you meant that uh, you can't imagine the show with her. Then I disagree. Oh, you're talking about Azula. I was talking about Azula. You're talking oh. about your comment. <laughs> of course I am. I did I I'm keep on going back and forth with Azula, as everyone knows. And like I'm mm-hmm. I see her place in the world of Avatar. Uh-huh. It doesn't mean I have to like her as a character, but I appreciate her arc as well. You know, it's you've a, come a long way. That's fine. I'll accept that answer. Because originally you were like, I don't get it. It's, I don't I know. Get it. I get it. It's just a yeah. weird place for me to be. And I think a lot of people are just like. He doesn't like this character, therefore he doesn't get it. But like you can get it and just not like the character. Or mm-hmm. not not even not like not have them be a top character. Mm-hmm. So just saying, just saying that. Just starting off the uh Legend of Korra combative, getting ready, uh-huh. ducking and weaving, ready to no, I'm not punching you. I'm just kidding. I would never. I would never. I'm a lover, not a fighter, please. <laughs> Uh, everyone, thank you all so much for leaving all of these wonderful five-star reviews. If you have not heard yours read yet, it's either because A, it's not written yet, so I can't read it. Acorn can't read it if it's not written. Or B, it'll be next week or the week after. Yep. It's one of those. We've only had a couple of reviews come in during our hiatus between mm-hmm. seasons, we'll call them. So if you did write your review recently... Chances are we're going to read it really soon. Yes. So hang, hang tight. Stay tuned. Hang tight. Yes. With two A's 
and G. Oh, I see. Okay. All uh, right. First, first official pun so of the Cora season. All and right. I had to explain it, which made it 44.3% funnier. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, without further ado, let's jump into Cora book one, episode one. Welcome to Republic City, yes. or as we like to call it. Avatar, the next generation. Mm-hmm. Now, I feel like you can take that a couple ways, but with me, I'm going to age myself. Uh, Degrassi was a show when oh. I was a teenager, and it was called Degrassi, the next generation. So I'm just going to say the reference to me is to Degrassi, but feels like take it however you want. It could refer to a couple of different things. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like there's a Marvel reference in there somewhere, too. There's the everything. There's this, I was thinking Star Trek, even though I'm not much of a Trekkie oh, myself. Oh, Star Trek. That's, that's right. That's where I was going yes. with that. Okay. Um, okay. It could be that. It could be, oh, what was Saved by, oh, there's the new class. Never mind. I was thinking Saved yeah. by the Bell, the new class, but it's a yeah. generation, whatever. Okay. Yeah, we're old. You're old. Anyway, <laughs> the scene opens on a snowy night in the South Pole, where a group of travelers are seen approaching a small hut. They're greeted at the door by a man holding a lantern who identifies them as the Order of the White Lotus. He invites them into the home, and we see that it is in shambles. The floor is littered with rocks and scraps of wood. The walls lined with toppled vases and broken pottery. Two sheets hang on rope against the wall, and in the center of the room is a woman trying vainly to sweep up the mess. Mm-hmm. She stops when she sees the men and smiles nervously. I love her, by the way. I love everything about this scene. Uh-huh. I love that... Um, when they open the door, a shield falls off of the wall. Yes. It just shows how like this poor family or these poor parents rather are uh-huh. trying to keep their home together when we're about to see what happens. Like they're just with all of their might, just trying to make sure that everything is, has its place and is proper and everything. And then any sort of like little bit of difference, it all falls apart. Uh-huh. It's wonderful. I feel like you're in the perfect position to yes. like really talk about this as a parent yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you walk into the the house in shambles after the kid has done their kid thing yep. and left their toys out and everything. Yep. And then meanwhile, you know, one of the parents is there just like <laughs> holding their <laughs> holding the broom, just like grinning, going, hi, welcome to our home. Everything's normal. Please ignore the small bit of dirt in the corner. Yes. I've not gotten to it yet. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. That was my relate. first thought. I couldn't relate more to like a moment yeah. than that. <laughs> it was really good. Yep. And I'm sure you're going to relate more uh, to the next part mm-hmm. because from here, the leader of the order blandly informs them that they've been researching many claims, all of which have turned out to be false leads. The woman responds that they will be happy to know that their searching has come to an end. And of course, they have been searching for the next avatar. The leader is dubious about this response and asks, well, what makes, what makes you so sure your daughter is the one we've been looking for? And so the woman calls for Cora and a chunk of the wall goes flying in front of their paces, their faces. Mm-hmm. And a toddler appears in the hole and announces herself as the avatar, telling the group that they can deal with it. To the order's amazement, she proceeds to bend fire, earth, and water in succession, proving that she is indeed the next avatar. Indeed. Um, a couple little voice acting notes here really quickly. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Wait, no. After having so many episodes about the comics, I've missed the voice acting notes so much. 
So everyone, everyone gather close and listen. Uh, Greg's uh, about to share our first voice acting notes of Cora. All right, so everyone really close to the speaker right now? You're really sure you're remote? Good, let's go. So first off is the White Lotus leader. Uh, this voice by Stephen Root, if that sounded familiar to you. If you've seen Office Space, uh, Stephen Root played the character of Milton, who was always talking about his city staplers, his swing line stapler. Uh, he was also Gordon in Dodgeball. Uh, he played Bill and Buck Strickland from King of the Hill. Uh, Dr. Donovan in Big Guy and Rusty the Boy Robot, which is actually one of my favorite car, uh, cartoons of all times. And he was in news radio as Jimmy James. He's like a comedic actor, like classic. Like if you saw him, you would know him immediately. Okay. The voice of Cora's father, as well as a protester that we'll see later on, and a police officer is none other than, I'm going to butcher this name. I'm so, so sorry. I butchered it in Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm going to butcher it, butcher it now. It is Carlos uh, Alizraki, I believe is how that's pronounced. Okay. And he was the voice of Duanto from Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, yeah. Mr. Crocker from The Fairly Odd Parents. He was in Reno 911 as Deputy James Garcia. He was in SpongeBob. Uh, if you're a Nickelodeon fan, Cat Dog. He was Winslow. Their, okay. their mouse neighbor. He was in the show Mucha Lucha as Ricochet and in Rocco's Modern Life as Rocco and Spunky. He's the voice of Rocco from Rocco's Modern Life. Oh my gosh. I mean, again, talk about throwbacks. Mm-hmm. Rocco's Modern Life, man. Yes. I was not allowed to watch that show as a kid. I was allowed. I just didn't get it when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. It wasn't for, I probably would find it a lot more interesting now. But yeah, as yeah. a kid, I was like, eh, I don't know. And this one I learned from the DVD commentary. Uh-huh. The voice of toddler Cora is not Janet Varney. It is the voice of Cora Baker is her name. And she is the daughter of Dee Bradley Baker, who voices <gasps> Momo and Appa and almost any animal you, you can think of in animation. Oh my gosh, really? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's so cool. I know. I thought that was really cool too because they were talking about it on the the commentary. Like, oh yeah, like this person's name was also Cora. And I was like, that's yeah. really cool. And they're like, Cora Baker. And I was like, you mean? And like, yes, D. Bradley Baker's daughter. And I'm like, I lost my mind. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> that's no, really cool. I, I didn't think that um, Jana Varney voiced toddler Cora, but I did think, and you may have said this and I completely missed it. Who's the voice of uh, of uh, Cora's mom in the scene? I actually, that's a good question. I didn't it see it It sounds like Janet Varney. I thought that Janet Varney was voicing the mom and just kind of like pitching her voice differently. Uh, let's find out. Cora's mom. I didn't see that in the thing. It's actually... Looks like Alex McKenna is the voice oh. of Cora's mom, um, who has been in such shows as Nano 210, uh, Boston Public, Two and a Half Men, Malcolm in the Middle, like a whole bunch of stuff. Okay. So that's Cora's mom. Wow. Not, not Janet Varney. Shoot. This is why you're the voice acting person and not me. Um, and her name is Senna, by the way. S-E-N-N-A. Yes. Senna. Yes. Yeah, that didn't oh. show up in my notes for some reason. I just had to do a quick Google. Sorry about that. I failed you. I have it's one all... job and <laughs> I didn't have it to completion. I have literally two pages of voice acting notes and I somehow wow. forgot. Wow. Well, that's <sighs> too many voices to cover and that's why lot. I'm here. It's a lot. I'm, I'm your, your quality control. Thank you. Yes. Uh, yes. As everyone knows, the quality goes right out the window. If anyone watches my streams on Monday and Friday, never Wednesday, uh, it's just right <laughs> out the window. It's because Acorn's not there. 
You do a good job. You, <laughs> yeah. you do a good job without me. It's, it's fine. <laughs> Debatable, but okay. Uh, moving on. Yeah, so we talked about Cora's mom. Uh, Cora's dad, mm-hmm. I have to say this, Tonrock is his name, and apparently he is the chief of the Southern Water Tribe. Interesting. Well, I didn't know that. They probably went to maybe a Democratic. They uh-huh. did go to Democratic uh, style. The, according in to the, the comics, comics yeah. yes. Yes, they did. So it makes sense. So I he was s- probably voted, but he comes from a line of chiefs, apparently. <laughs> and so I just thought it was interesting that not only is Korra from the Southern Water Tribe, which is where we've been mm-hmm. in Avatar, she also comes from the chief of the Southern Water Tribe. So we have kind of like a Pocahontas situation going on here. And she also calls Katara Grand Grand, which is what we're going to learn in a little bit, too. I know. Katara is Grand Grand now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also just a reminder about the dates and the timeline. This is a, roughly about 50 years after the last comic that we covered. So it has been some time. Things have developed. We have democracy in the Southern Water Tribe. We have an elected chief. And we're going to find out that his family is going to be involved in the Korra timeline going forward. Um, yes. So we have found our avatar. Korra is the avatar. And in the show, we kind of skip ahead a couple years and so we jump over to Cora, who is still in the South Pole, but she's training rigorously to master her bending. She spars with firebenders in front of the White Lotus and her teachers, exhibiting her firebending prowess. And Katara, who is grand grand age, is standing there with them, white hair and stooped shoulders and all. Mm-hmm. And she comments to the others that Cora is strong, to which the leader of the order, order replies that she lacks restraint. After disarming each firebender, Korra excitedly approaches the group and asks why they seem so gloomy. They should be celebrating her master of the three elements. Just one more to go. One of the elders warns her not to get ahead of herself, for they haven't decided if she's passed her firebending test yet. Even though she's always excelled at the physical side of bending ever since she was a little girl, she's completely ignored the spiritual side. And Korra self-consciously replies that, well, it's not that I've been ignoring it. It just doesn't come as easily to me. And she adds that this is the reason why she should train with Tenzin, because he's Mr. Spiritual. Katara agrees with her, saying Tenzin is the person who can teach her what she needs to learn. And the Order agrees that she can begin her airbending training. And at this point, Korra leaps into the air in celebration. She then goes to visit her polar bear dog, Naga, and leaves the compound for an afternoon ride. I love Naga. I love Naga so much. I have a couple notes about Naga. Yeah, I, I remember when I first watched Korra, because I've only made it through season one in the past, and I don't remember mm-hmm. a lot about it. Do you remember when I first saw Naga? I didn't, like, I didn't have this instant connection with her. I was kind of like, oh, you're just trying to be the next Appa. Like, you're not Appa. Yeah. You'll never be Appa. Yeah. Um, but now that I'm older, I mean, arguably a little wiser, more experienced in life, I just, I have two dogs of my own. I grew up with dogs, Mm -hmm. but there's a difference between having your own dog and like having a dog growing up. There's just two different things. Um, I just love her so much now. Like, and fun fact, she was based off of the original early concepts of the anthropomorphic polar bear dog who was originally going to travel with Aang. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So if you look back at the original concept art, back when everyone's a little awkward and they weren't, you know, the characters that we know and love now, Mm -hmm. the animal companion that they had in mind was a polar bear dog very very similar to naga and then that character eventually moved into appa and we have our flying bison so it i love that they recycled basically the idea yeah that's really cool now as far as the the type of dog um i was reading that there's a couple different references 
I personally think, and it was kind of noted online, that it's a cross between a polar bear and a Labrador retriever. And I see that. But there's also some notes about it being based off of the Kangal, which is a breed of dog in the real world, and also sort of the Great Pyrenees. That I see. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And also, apparently, Naga was modeled after the the creator's dogs, Truman and Gunther, who are brothers. So here's here's another reason why we can't tell Break <laughs> apart. <laughs> they but have the same dog. They have the same dog. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Um, final note about Naga before we move on is apparently Naga is the first polar bear dog to ever be tamed. And this comes from the original Nickelodeon archive. So again, fun fact. Um, oh. I feel though, if that's the case, people should have more of a reaction to Naga, kind of like they do to Appa. You know, like... If Naga's the first polar bear dog to be tamed, then wouldn't they be like, oh my gosh, polar bear dog. I don't know though, because like, do we do that about the first dog that's ever been tamed in the real real world? I mean, if I saw a polar bear walking down the street. But it's not, it's a polar bear dog. I'm just saying. This is just their version of dog. It's like one of the many breeds of, it's like a husky. But it's also like a polar bear. It only lives in the South Pole. Right. But I think my more point is hybrids are really cool to us. Yeah. But to them, there's just like, oh, it must be Monday. Polar bear dog. <laughs> you know? I guess so. Yeah. And, and I would argue that uh, some people in, in um, the city did have kind of a bit of a reaction to seeing because she is huge. Like she's. She is. She's big. She's the size of a polar bear. She has a head of a dog. Right. And so they do have a yeah. reaction. But I, I, I don't know. I, I can see it going both ways. I think I could be like, oh, look, there's another polar bear dog just like our flying bisons that we see over there and just all like our of platypus yeah bear. yeah like everything our yeah. our what was the other one our turtle ducks uh-huh turtle um, ducks yes yeah i agree i, I suppose disagree. so per usual i agree and disagree well also you could argue the fact that they're in the city now and a lot of things mm. and people and creatures are in the city so it could just be like oh that's true something i've never seen before it's a tuesday yeah. in republic city man those republic city folk they cannot mm-hmm. be impressed no, Mm-mm. I like New Yorkers. No, <laughs> same at all. Mm-hmm. Well, a few days later, Tenzin and his family arrive in the South Pole via flying bison named Oogie. Tenzin greets his mother Katara with his three children clinging to him, and he gratefully passes the youngest Milo to her. It's like, oh, thank God, Grandma's here. But the boy runs off very quickly after basically doing a little boy thing and being like, "You're not my grandma." I love or Milo. whatever. I love yeah. Milo so I, much. You would. You he's, would love Milo. He's just great. He's just, great. He's just this ball of chaos in human mm-hmm. form. <laughs> love him. Guess who I love? Who? Janora. Janora. Of course. Of course. That makes sense. Yes. Janora comes up to Katara and she's like, Grand Grand, I've been reading all about your old adventures and I've been dying to ask you this question. What happened to Zuko's mother? Mm-hmm. And of course, before Katara can answer, she gets interrupted. Go ahead. Do you want to know who, who people's voices are? Yes. Yes, I do. Of okay. course. So we'll start with Milo because Milo is a little underwhelming. Is voiced by Logan Wells, who, as far as I can tell, the only thing that he's been in that I recognize is the Jay and Silent Bob reboot movie, which oh, is a little, okay. a little underwhelming because Milo is very expertly voice acted at least so far in the couple episodes that i've seen like he's very animated very like professional right um janora is voiced by kiernan shipka who mm. you 
you know, you definitely know her, even though you don't know her name. Yeah. Played Matt, uh, played Sally Draper in Mad Men and also played Sabrina in the chilling adventures of Sabrina on Netflix. <gasps> oh, mm-hmm. really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I do recognize that name now. Yes. Okay. I didn't the, recognize the name, the name I either. Could never I saw, pronounce. Yeah. I did literally your reaction right here is what I did when I was IMDb. I was like, I don't know That's this person at all. Cool. Oh, I do. Tenzin is voiced by J.K. Simmons, who this is like, this sets the bar for voice acting on The Legend of Korra for me yeah. personally. J.K. Simmons, everyone will know, is in Whiplash, the movie. Like he's the, the, the mean drummer teacher guy, right? Uh, J. Jonah Jameson from the Spider-Man, basically all the Spider-Man movies. So J. Jonah yeah. Jameson's in it. It's usually J.K. Simmons. Uh, he was in Juno. He played Omni-Man in the uh, Amazon Prime Video Invincible show. If you've played Portal 2, you'll recognize his voice as Cave Johnson. He's also in the movie Palm Springs, uh, opposite of Andy Samberg. I love J.K. Simmons. This is, this is a short list of what he's in, by the way. The shortest yeah. of lists. Oh, yeah. Because otherwise, this would be a 15-minute segment right here alone on J.K. Simmons. Love him. Super talented. Like... I understand him to be a very um, wonderful individual as well. Iki, mm. that, was the, that was one of the other siblings' names, right? I- Iki is voiced mm-hmm. by Darcy yep. Rose Burns, who is in um, Big Shot, the uh, Disney Plus show with John Stamos. She played Harper. Uh, Go Live Your Way, she played Augustina. Sophia the First as Princess Amber. And the young and the restless she was in, I was very surprised to see because I don't think I've ever seen anything with young and the restless, but uh, she played Abby Carlton nope. Newman. And last but not least would be, or sorry, there's two more. There's Katara, who is voiced by uh, Eva Marie Saint, who is acting royalty, essentially. She was in so many um, Hitchcock movies. She was also like oh, Alfred Hitchcock. Like Alfred yeah, she's like a Hitchcock? classic actress. Um, she was also in Superman Returns wow. as Martha Kent, which I thought was pretty cool. That was one with Brandon Routh, okay. if anyone saw that movie. Uh, North by Northwest, the movie, and uh-huh. uh, On the Waterfront. It's like she's just been around for a very long time. I was bummed that it's not Mae Whitman's actual mother, who is also an actor, a voice actor. But this is like wonderful on its own right, right? Like it's beautiful. Yeah. And I'm forgetting someone. Oh, Pema. 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 Who is yes. Pema, who is Pema. um is uh Tenzin's wife, is voiced by Maria Bamford, who you know her because she okay. voiced Kelsey Jannings and Deborah in Bojack Horseman. She was in Arrested Development really? as Debris Bardot. She was in Adventure Time as Slime uh-huh. Princess and Wildberry Princess and Additional Voices. Word Girl, which I didn't know was a thing. She was also in quite a few episodes. And she was in Hey Arnold as well as Mayor Dixie, Iggy's mom, and Stinky's grandmother. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. So. Wow. Phew. Okay, cool. But we got through it. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Wow. That was okay. So everyone listening, Greg has been hinting about how excited he was about this episode's mm-hmm. voice acting notes. And, now so ma- and, and we're not even five minutes into the episode right now in terms of actual watching. No. <laughs> so 
Yeah. We got we have much more characters more to, to meet. To meet. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Cora I is mean, voiced by duh. Jenna Farney. <laughs> duh. So like, if you don't know who she is, uh, I don't know. Like, actually, I was very surprised. She was not in a lot really? before this. Yeah. And she's done a lot of uh, different animated voices and such. Uh, she has her own podcasts. Uh, she's also obviously in uh, Braving the Elements yep. with Dante Bosco, which is um, the other Avatar, The Last Airbender podcast, uh-huh. I'll say. The other one. Far more talented, better, handsome, pretty, <laughs> whatever than, uh-huh. than us. But like, we're like the second we are. cousin. We're the, we're the, the corner, redheaded stepchild. So to speak. Redheaded yes. stepchild. Well, that's that's interesting because uh, yes, um, I kind of feel like Janet Varney voices Cora very similarly to her own voice. You know, it's just like more more like dramatized, but it sounds like her. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that she doesn't have much of a voice acting background because I feel like that could be one of the reasons why she's so close to Cora, the character. You know, like when you think of voice actors, you think mm-hmm. of like the big names that have voice like. 50 characters and they're like yeah i'm a voice actor and oh, yeah. yeah i did that that character but i kind of always got the feel from janet that she's really proud to represent cora and she kind of embodies cora's character and always like talks about being cora like voicing her um so it's kind of nice i like that yeah so back to the story we are in the south pole the tenzin family has arrived the kids are all over their dad <laughs> And Janora just asked Cora, or sorry, not Cora, but Katara. I do that a lot in my notes. I hope I didn't typo anyone. <laughs> but Janora just asked Katara if she can tell the story about what happened to Zuko's mom. And back in the day when this first was airing and I watched this, I got so mad at Iki for jumping in and basically interrupt, interrupting with a bunch of questions because I wanted to know. <laughs> Yeah, I wanted to know what happened to Zuko's mom. But now, this time around, we have gone through the comics and we know what happened to Zuko's mom and it is such a great story. So I am less irritated at Iki in this, <laughs> in this time. Fair. That's fair. We just talked about Pema, their mom, and she carefully dismounts the bison and admonishes Tenzin when he rushes to help her, telling him she's just pregnant, not helpless. Katara embraces her and places a hand over Pema's stomach, noting that the baby is strong and that she sees another airbender in the family's future. Is Pema excited about this? No. She frowns and says, all she wants is a nice non-bender like herself who doesn't blast wind in her face every five seconds. And right on cue, Milo does just this, proving her point and blasting snow all over her face. I love her so much. I, th- I bet you're expecting me to say I love him so much, but no, I love her so much because she has that same frazzled mom energy that Cora's mom has in the beginning. Oh my gosh, she does actually. Yeah. Yes. Very yes. interesting. I love it. Uh, Pema then asks Katara if Tenzin and his siblings were as crazy as her own children back when they were kids. And Katara smiles in memory, noting that, well, yeah, Kaya and Bumi were, but Tenzin was always rather serious. And again, right on cue, we get a serious moment from Tenzin. Can we note that Tenzin has a brother and a sister and their names are Bumi and Kaya? Yes. I love it. Yes. Also, my heart's broken. I love it. But I love it. Heart's broken, why? Because if, if, I mean, I know Aang's dead and I know logically Bumi's been dead for quite some time, but it doesn't mean I can't grieve a little bit because Bumi's dead. I know. Moment of silence for our favorite earthbending king. Yeah. 
I was very excited about the fact that the kids were named Kaya and Boomy. I know. I will say, when we finally met them, I was a little disappointed because they weren't as interesting as I thought they were going to be. But at the same time, they were older. They're like much, much older. They're older and no one's going to be as Boomy as the original Boomy. I think so. Right. Like he was just off of his rocker and I wouldn't change it. But like... I rem- I don't remember who does the voice of Boomy, but I remember who does the voice of Kaya. And I'm going to save that for when Kaya shows up because it's, for me, it's a big kind of pull, but it's not like, it's not like huge, like Brad Pitt is the voice of this person. Like, it's not like one of those, but for me, it's just like, I recognize, I know, and I appreciate that actress. So cool. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. So just then Tenzin notices Cora standing a ways behind Katara. He greets her warmly, telling her that she's grown into quite the young avatar. When Cora says she can't wait to get started with her training, Tenzin hesitates. He reveals that they're only staying for the night because they have to return to Republic City. Cora's airbending training will have to wait. They discuss the details that evening at dinner, and Cora asks how long until she can begin learning airbending, you know, like a week, a month? And Tenzin explains that it's his responsibilities in Republic City that are pulling him back And they're keeping him occupied at the moment because the situation there is just generally unstable. So he doesn't know. Cora comments that he also has a responsibility to teach her, you know, only only airbender who can teach the avatar. Mm -hmm. You kind of have a responsibility to teach me. But then she has an idea. She's like, okay, even though I can't go find another airbending teacher, I can just go home with you. I can just go to Republic City and learn there. The leader of the order who's having dinner with them disagrees immediately claiming that the city is too dangerous. Avatar Aang tasked them with keeping Korra safe while she mastered the four elements, so she has to stay here. And Tenzin agrees, telling Korra, yeah, the timing just isn't right. And disappointed, Korra leaves the table. This seems off to me. This whole thing. Tell us more. I'm sorry. A single city needs my help versus the entire world. Uh Uh-huh. Training the Avatar is a huge honor. One of the largest honors, if not the largest honor that you can get as an individual. Mm-hmm. And Tenzin's like, no, I got to clean up this city. I'm sorry. It's just like, it seems askew to me. Yeah. Like, it's like the balance isn't quite there. And also... And I know this is going to happen later, obviously, but why can't she just go to him and live in Republic City? I know. So that was, that was interesting to me also watching this for the first time back in the day, because the situation here is completely and totally different from what we experienced in Avatar The Last Airbender, because Aang was learning on the move. He was traveling throughout the world and learning bending at the same time. Meanwhile, Korra is kept in this compound Basically, I mean, kind of living a prisoner lifestyle, even though it's for her own good, quote unquote, whatever. But she's in one location for what, 14 years of her life or something like that. And she's just learning bending in the South Pole all by herself, just herself and her, her teachers. It seems a little extreme. And I agree. If she goes back to Republic City, then she's going to be secluded on Air Temple Island anyway. Like, I don't know why Tenzin doesn't think that that's safe or whatever. But this gives you an example of just how overcorrecting the group has been. Yeah. With the new Avatar. It's like, okay, 
Back when Aang was an avatar, the whole Fire Nation was looking to destroy him. Mm-hmm. The whole, like, a whole nation was hunting him and trying to kill him. So we're going to overcorrect and we're going to make this little safe compound for the new avatar to stay in. So nothing will harm her ever. Yeah, it's, you're right. It, it, it is overcorrecting. I wasn't really looking at it that way. It was just like, for me, it, it felt like bad writing. But if I just like adjust my mm. brain a little bit, because like all I could think of was the Roku episode in yeah. Avatar where Roku traveled the world and learned, learned bending in the, the respective nations. Mm-hmm. And they're just having Korra like basically walled off from the rest of the world. As yeah, if the it's teachers a big come to secret. her. Well, like they have to assume that like people are going to know round about where the next avatar is going to be as soon as Aang dies. Yeah. They one can't of, have kept it under wraps. One of three places, realistically. Yeah. It's either going to be the swamps, uh-huh. the north, or the south. Yeah. Which, okay, hang on. I got to stop you right there. Yeah. Will we get a swamp bender avatar? Oh, because that would be so cool. I wish. I, I hope it's going to be a thing. Or if you ask one specific town somewhere out mm-hmm. there in the Earth Kingdom, I believe. Yeah. We, they might have already gotten a water tribe avatar. Uh-huh. In the form of Sokka from that one comic. Yeah. But realistically, everyone knows that it's going to be a, a waterbender as the next avatar. So, like, there's only really three yeah. places you're looking. Yeah, exactly. But I would like to think that the world does know that the avatar has been found, but maybe not details about who she is. Like, you know, her name is Korra. She's from the Southern Water Tribe. I mean, the fact that she's a chief's daughter is kind of a big deal. So I would feel like more people would know about that. But they generally are very, very concerned about keeping her safe, as we can see from this scene. It it does make sense, too, that they want to keep her safe because there's only one avatar. And then if they lose her, it's going to go, you know, find another one and then another one and another one. But... You know, and mm-hmm. once we learn kind of what's going on in Republic City, it makes does make a bit more sense. But as of yeah. right now, when you're first watching this, you're just like, what is going on? Well, the next day, Korra and Naga watch very depressed as the family leaves and they fly off into the sunset with Oogie, their air bison. And Korra's watching this and her expression suddenly shifts from sad to determined. And that night, she visits Naga in the stable and begins saddling her polar bear dog. And as she finishes, Katara comes up behind her and comments that, oh, it's a nice night for an escape. Mm. And Cora's startled, but she explains immediately, like, listen, I have to leave the South Pole. I have to find my own path as the Avatar. And surprisingly, or maybe not so surprisingly, Katara agrees and says, yes, she understands. The time of her generation has passed. And this, this hurt me. She said, you know, my brother and many of my friends are gone and it's now your duty and your generation's duty to take over the responsibility of maintaining peace and balance in the world. At this point, Katara embraces Korra, telling her she believes Korra will make a great avatar. And then the two say goodbye. Korra bends a path through the snow and away from the compound and she goes and actually stops at her childhood home to say goodbye to her parents who also understand that she needs to go and find her own destiny. And then we skip over to a, a steamship headed for Republic City where Korra stashed herself away and Naga into the cargo hold. And she's just sitting there excited to go on the next leg of her journey and finally get away. It's really cool to see Katara be like this 
passing of the torch role, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And they, Breich mentioned this in the DVD commentary where in the first series, it was grand grand. That was kind of went to Katara and was kind of like, go, go out into the world. Like, help the avatar to be be wonderful be good be large essentially and now katara finds herself on the other end of that exact situation and if you take like a moment to kind of think about it she appreciates the moment and i think she realizes exactly what just is going on and what's happening and there is no pride with her with katara she's lived her life she's happy where she is it's off for it's time for a new team avatar to go off and mm-hmm. it's really bright winking at us being like all right here we go again like let's go let's have some adventures let's have some fun uh, but there's something very nice and and solemn and quiet about this moment with katara and Korra. yeah yeah and it's also good for the audience too to see that it's mirroring the start of the adventure from after the last airbender with ang Mm-hmm. And Katara and Sokka, because yeah, exactly like you said, an elder is passing on the torch and saying, "Yes, I support you. Go, yeah. go yeah. have your adventure and so cool. and go learn how to save the world." It's so cool. Yeah. I do want to bring up something really quick. I don't know when to bring this up, so I'm just going to bring it up now. Okay. Did you know that Korra almost was a guy? <gasps> really? Almost. No. Yeah. There was uh, Bright always envisioned Korra as being. A young woman. Always. Uh They say it just felt right. It's like, this is always the thing. But someone in marketing at Nickelodeon, I don't know if it was marketing, someone in some team, I think it's marketing. They they didn't say which team. We're just like, no, you should make it. You should make Korra a guy. A dude. A dude. Because (laughs) male protagonists in, when was this, 2012? 2012, because we're on the uh, 11th anniversary right now. Yep. In 2012, was like, Male protagonists test better. Just do it. They just test better. Don't just trust us. And it got to the point where they would bring in um, the demographic for Legend of Korra. They'd bring in males, like all boys, and they would say, how do you feel about Korra? And they'd be like, oh, she's great. It's wonderful. Like, really cool. Yeah, but like, she's a girl. <laughs> and you'd be like, yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, yeah, but like, does it bother you? And they're like, no, like, I think she's great. So they're even trying to like twist that and like for their own purposes. And they, and they, wow. I, I love Cora for the record. I think she's, she's, yeah, I mean, she's very Sokka esque, which I really Uh like. Um, she's wonderful. She's outspoken. She doesn't back down from confrontation. I think she's, has a lot of growing to do. Don't get me wrong. And I, I, yeah. I think that I'm actually very much looking forward to watching that growth as we go through this series. Uh, but as a first impression goes, I like her better than Aang. That's like so interesting. Yeah. Wow. She just hits all the notes for me, all the check boxes. Yeah. You know, you know now that you mention her having similarities to Sokka, yeah. I can see it and I can absolutely see why you like her mm-hmm. like, immediately more. Um, I'm going to play the other side and I'm going to say, I like Aang more at this point. You and Chorus, I know I would. Chorus, is going to have to grow on me. And I'll tell you right now, it's because me as a person, I relate to Aang more and in his introspection and in his like sense of community and, mm-hmm. um, you know, 
his spirituality and helping the world and whatnot. And then Cora, meanwhile, is like a jock. Yeah. That's, that's, I finally nailed it yeah. down on like what it is about her that kind of bothered me the first time I watched. And it's because she's a jock. She's not really she, a jock though. Hear me out. All hear right. me out. All right. Just the fact that, you know, she's always been so good at the physical side of, of bending and being yeah. an avatar. Yep. And she's just very much like action first questions later. Mm-hmm. The way that she approaches conflict is more like, let's beat some skulls. She's, she's toughish, actually. She's, yes. She takes off. with of, that. Takes, yep. Yeah. Takes after Toph a lot. And I think as an avatar, watching the show for the first time, it kind of bothered me that she wasn't more self-aware. But now going into it, I understand that's the growth. That's mm. her journey right there. She, We stated it in this episode. The fact that she's always excelled at the physical side of being an avatar, but not the spiritual side. And that's going to be her journey. So I think this time around, I'm, I'm more like ready for it. Mm-hmm. But as a character, I think I would... I prefer, I prefer Aang just I would, because yeah. it's Aang. I would argue that Aang isn't that spiritual. He's not. I, I mean, mean like, that's part of his journey too, but Yeah, like he he's spiritual in the sense that like he's aware that of the spirit world and he is very much in touch with his spiritual side, I would mm-hmm. say. But he is the furthest. Like he he realistically helped two spirits. And he's supposed to be the bridge between the spiritual and physical <laughs> he world. He reminded us so many times. I'm <laughs> he, the bridge between the spirit world and the human world. And he did it like, if you can include the comics, four times mm-hmm. in a lifetime that we know of so far. Yeah. So it, yeah. it's very interesting because I remember that um, Korra holds Aang to a higher standard than Aang ever reached that we saw so far for like this whole spiritual side thing. Which is accurate because yeah. we do tend to venerate the deceased and That's to true. venerate our like ancestors and think that they were either sm- smarter or more gifted or more capable or whatever. And really like oftentimes they were just humans like us yeah. trying to figure out the world. Yeah. yeah. And I wonder if some of that is Tenzin too. If she's like, like, well, Tenzin's Mr. Serious, Mr. Spiritual. That means Aang must have been when really right. I think Tenzin got that more from Katara than he did from Aang. He did. Yeah. It, and it is also possible that Aang just mellowed out as he got older and started taking things more seriously and, and such because we only saw him for three years, four years, arguably, in this window. So, mm-hmm. But it's, it's just curious that they made that leap. And maybe it's one of those we're, we're telling you so you know what happened to Aang, but the evidence just doesn't stack up until they release more stuff. Mm-hmm. Are you listening, Nickelodeon? We Are need, you listening, we, Avatar we Studios? Need- I need adult Aang and adult everyone. I need a story. I need to know what happened when they were adults. Yeah, me too. Tell me, tell me now. Just email me. Avatar yeah, podcast email at us the script. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, to your point, I love the differences too, because Aang was, as we were just talking about, so much more in the side of like uh the tradition and the culture of the monks and the the spiritual bridge between the spirit world and the human world and this and that. And then we have Korra, who's so like steeped in the physical world and mm-hmm. being the avatar. And I already, we're only one episode in and I love the differences that we're seeing. I know, me too. I'm so excited. Yes. So next they go to Republic City and they arrive to the sound of scraping metal as the doors of the cargo hold open 
And without waiting for anything, Korra and Naga just race off the ship and take in the startling vastness of the city before them. The buildings sprawl into the distance. There's bridges stretching across the water. Satomobiles are bustling across the roads. And in the distance, she sees a large statue of Aang standing watch over the city. And Korra looks up into the face of her past life with awe before turning her attention to Air Temple Island, which was behind it. She asks Naga if she's ready to head over to see Tenzin, but the polar bear dog turns her attention to the smells wafting from the city. And Korra agrees. Okay, food first, then the island. Now, this moment, there's a lot of very, very subtle hints and nods to the original series. Did you notice the way that she stands there and looks up at the statue of Aang? It's kind of reminiscent of Aang looking at the statue of Roku. Yeah. In the Southern Air Temple. Yeah. Oh, I, I, th- these mirror images, this mirror imagery, I should say, is just like so well done. Mm-hmm. It's capturing like the spirit of the journey and how this is her looking up into her past life and really like kind of taking in the the legacy that it represents. And I feel like Aang did that a lot too with Roku, understanding that he was his previous life and he had done all these things and he was so wise and capable and blah, blah, blah. So I, I love that little nod. And also we had to talk about the fact that this is Republic City, which used to be Cranefish Town. Mm-hmm. So this bay where Air Temple Island is, is Yu Bay, which is where the spirit of Lady Tianhai lived and guarded the local humans. Oh, man. I need to like, like, I know that to be true, but I need to uh-huh. like be more conscious of like what this is now versus then. Yes. It's really cool. So another reason why I love the fact that we went, went through the comics before we started Korra. And if, if you're listening and you haven't listened to our episodes about the comics, because you're like, eh, I'll just wait for Korra. That's what I'm more interested in. If you need something to listen to, please go back and listen to the comics. We had such a good time so reading good. through them. And we agreed multiple times it was what we needed to bridge the gap between Avatar The Last Airbender and Korra. Because mm-hmm. we learned so much of the lore and the story and the characters. It's, it was the perfect bridge talking about the bridge between the spirit world and the human world. Mm-hmm. It was the perfect bridge between Aang and Korra. I can't believe I forgot to mention that. I'm just full of forgetful mention mentioning today. Y'all just have to bear with me on this. Let's hear it. Remind me what um, Tenzin's Air Bison's name is again. Oogie. And remind me the feeling that Sokka got when... The Oogies! <laughs> <laughs> So I, I didn't think of this. I saw this somewhere on the internet. Someone sent it to me. Mm-hmm. What if Tenzin named his air bison after the love that his mother and father felt for each other? It's canon now it's canon. In, my head. in my head. I accept it. I, That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, voiced uh, by Dee Bradley Baker as well. Of course. Of course. Of course. Why, why would you get anyone else? No. Foolish. No. <laughs> Except for maybe Andy Circus. Fair. But like I, that's a much <laughs> different animal casting. <laughs> Very yes. different. <laughs> yes. Oh, I love that. Okay. Head cannon accepted. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we are about to go meet some more characters because at this point, Korra and Naga are looking for food and they just traveled into the big city. Naga races down the road alongside the automobiles, causing accidents everywhere. No one is like prepared for this big polar bear dog to be barreling down the street. 
And Naga's not prepared for automobiles because that is not in the South Pole. Mm -hmm. She follows her nose to a food stall where meat is sizzling on the grill. And hungry herself, Cora orders one of everything. But when the shopkeeper gives her a price, she realizes she didn't bring any money with her because she didn't ever need it in the compound. Disappointed, she and Naga leave with Cora promising her friend that they will find something to eat. And they, in fact, find food in the form of fish caught from the pond in the city's park. As Naga continues to fish with her head in the water, Cora skewers three fish on sticks and uses firebending to cook them. Their lunch is soon interrupted when a man sticks his head out of a nearby bush and asks if he can have one of the, f- the fish that she just cooked. Cora agrees and he joins her on the shore. And Cora asks the man, um, do you live in that bush? And he says, yes, the bush is presently what he calls home. And in fact, this park houses a lot of vagabonds and he welcomes Cora to the city and is basically like, welcome to Republic City where you can see a lot of buildings, but that there bush is my home. Very like do and not do and tell. Um, what was the other one's name? Oh. The third one. Q? Yes. Q. Q, very uh-huh. Hugh like in terms of that, like, or even more maybe nomad, like the nomads, like Chong and all them. Like very much those very much. those vibes coming from that. Also voiced by Stephen Root as well, who was we met earlier in the episode as one of the White Lotus guys. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I I love I love wacky characters. Everyone knows that. He's actually also very boomy like too. He is a nice combination yeah. of all of your favorite wacky I love characters. Them so much. Yep. He's so cool. And just a, a thief too, kind of. You know, he, t- he gets yeah. the fish like willingly. It's kind of he's kind of like stealing a little bit. I mean, they're all kind of stealing. That's fair. And like, there's a constable that interrupts their conversation to tell them exactly that. Like, hey, no fishing in- allowed in the in the park. What are you yeah. doing? So the man, when they get interrupted, uh, advises Cora that she should probably get out of there. And then he jumps back into his bush. <laughs> we do a lot of well, a lot of running in this episode. Yeah. So Cora races away up with Naga once again, and they soon outrun the constable. But then they come across this protester who's standing in front of a poster of a masked man in a hood. And this protester shouts into a microphone about living under the tyranny of benders. And he invites anyone that is tired of living like second-class citizens to join a group called the Equalists. Cora stops to listen and soon speaks up, saying that bending, why are you denouncing bending? Bending is the coolest thing in the world. And the man kind of smirks and says, oh, that means you're probably a bender, right? When Cora answers that, yes, she is, the man says, and I bet you'd love to knock me off this platform with some water bending, huh? I'm thinking about it. The man takes his answer and runs with it, using it as an example of what's wrong with Republic City and its benders. Benders use their power to oppress the non-benders. And Cora is shocked to hear this. And she argues immediately, I'm not oppressing anyone. What are you talking about? But at this point, the crowd doesn't listen. And she and Naga are forced to move on. The pair soon get lost again, and Cora stops to ask a woman for directions to Air Temple Island. As the woman is explaining which way to go, a car rounds the corner, and this woman grows visibly worried. She urges Cora to leave the area and then hides as this car parks on the road and a group of men get out. The group approaches a phonograph vendor and demands that he hands over the money that he supposedly owes them. They threaten to burn down his establishment if he doesn't, and one of the men reveals he's a firebender with a flick of his wrist. This phonograph vendor tells them that business has been slow. He doesn't really have the money. Why don't you take one of my phonographs? They're really nice. 
And the firebender kicks the phonograph to the ground in a burst of flame and sparks. And then they threaten the man another time. And this is where Cora steps in and challenges them on their threat. The men take in her appearance and begin laughing, believing her to be an immigrant, you know, fresh to Republic City from one of the water tribes. And they explain a few things to her. Listen, lady, you're in triple threat territory. And if you continue to interfere with us, we're going to put you in the hospital. And I'm sorry, I just keep seeing it. Cora the jock is like, fight? Bet. Let's do it. Cora responds, they're the ones who are going to need a hospital. And then the fight breaks out. It's not out. like jock. Like, I'm not, just not getting the jock vibes. I don't know what it is. It's maybe it's the school that we went maybe. to. Maybe it's the fact that at the school, the high school that I went to, um, there was just like this certain vibe that the jocks and the sports and the wrestling kids had. Mm-hmm. And it's exactly what she has. She is very sure of herself. Maybe that's mm-hmm. it. Maybe like she's very confident in her own abilities so far. Yeah. And she knows what she can do and she knows her self-worth. So like maybe that kind of attitude, but like, I don't see jock. I just see like, I don't know. I just see like strength, but also maybe that's where jock's coming from. Yeah. Maybe. It's fine. Don't you don't have to agree with me. I'm actually very curious if you're listening right now, do you get the vibe that I'm talking about? Or am I just like coming out of left field with this? Cause that's, that's what I see with her. Every time I like see her go into a confrontation like I this. I think, I think that, um, I'm doing that thing where I want you to agree with me really badly. And I'm acknowledging that. <laughs> and you don't have to. You uh-huh. don't have to. As much as like my brain is hardwired to be like, no, please do. It's just like, this is my thing. Just like, don't worry about it. Your your opinion of her being jock-like attitude is completely great and wonderful. And mine of her not being jock-like is also completely great and wonderful. Uh-huh. I love that we disagree sometimes. We agree on a lot of things, but then some certain things we disagree on. And usually it's like these really weird. It's so like, it's the weirdest things. thing to be like, to diverge on, but. No, <laughs> I disagree. She's not a jock. I swear. <laughs> this fight though is really good. I love the way that they animated this. Um, the leader of the triple threat triad is a viper. Mm-hmm. And he's the guy with like the trench coat kind of thing. He reaches into his coat which was a really cool detail because it's almost like he was going for a shoulder holster, but instead he has like a water canteen in there. And so he reaches into his coat and then bends a stream of water at Cora. And she obviously catches it easily and bends it back at his face and it freezes around his head. And as the man stumbles around, she delivers a roundhouse kick that sends him into the car and shatters the ice. And so the next triad, Mushi, comes after her and she launches him into the sky with an earth pillar. And... At this point, the lady who was giving her instructions or directions and the guy that she was with, they're like, wait, was that, was that earthbending? In the final triad, two-toed ping comes after her with fire and she cuts through it just like she did on the training grounds on, at the compound, just cuts straight through and uh, takes him out as well. And again, at this point, <laughs> the, the lady and her companion are like, is she, could she be? Was that just three elements? <laughs> the triads are defeated and they race to their car and they pile in and they take off down the road to get away. And Cora is like, no, you're not going to go anywhere. And so she earth bends this like trail that kicks their car into the air and flips it around and it runs into a storefront with a smash. And so she stopped them. And suddenly sirens come out of the sky and she looks up to see a metal Zeppelin hovering over the street. And uniformed men leap out and use metal cords to bend themselves safely to the ground. And Cora recognizes them as metal bending officers and tells them, don't worry, guys, I got the bad guys. They're right over there. 
The metal benders apprehend the triads, but they also put Korra under arrest for destruction of property. The um, captain of that squad, by the way, is mm-hmm. voiced by none, none other than Richard Epcar, uh, who is not a name that I know of off the top of my head, but when I looked at his pedigree, let's say, because uh, that's uh-huh. exactly what it is, he's anime voice acting royalty. He's been in Lupin the Third, Robotech, uh, he was in VR Troopers, Power Rangers, and Big Bad Beetleborgs as like random villains. He was Bato wow. from Ghost in the Shell. Oh. Like he's been Bato like this entire time. They haven't really, as far as I can see, changed the voice actor. Um, he was in Digimon as Myotismon and, and, and Edamon, who were both villains. Uh, he is in Bobo, 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 Bobo as the titular character. I'm not going to say that again. He's in Bleach, <laughs> Hunter, uh, Cross Hunter, Seven Deadly Sins, and JoJo's Bizarre Adventure as Joseph Joestar and many other characters. Wow. Seriously, he is like anime royalty. Mm-hmm. Those are big shows. Yes. My jaw dropped when I was doing that research. Well, this is the one I'm really excited about hearing about. Because mm-hmm. the officers put Cora under arrest and they take her back to police headquarters where she is interrogated by Chief Lynn Bayfall. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Who voices Lynn? Uh, Lynn Beifong is a voice by Mindy Sterling, who played Frau Farbisina from the Austin Powers movies. Uh, she was in the Great North as Junkyard Kyle. Uh, the Goldbergs as Linda Schwartz. Voltron Legendary Defender, which is the Netflix Voltron, as Reiner. It was in the mo- it was in Con Man as Bobby Sush Curly's wife, Desperate Housewives as Mitzi Kinski, and Miss Endive in the show Chowder. So not interesting. Not too, too much that nothing I that know I know. Of. Really, well, Austin Powers I remembered, but like in Voltron, yeah. I never finished Voltron, but I watched a good chunk of it. Um, but like, yeah, it was one of the things that the name, the voice didn't sound familiar. The name didn't sound familiar. Then I kind of looked at her, looked her up, and I was like, ah, kind of, I can see that. But like awesome job on on lynn for sure like i love lynn Bayfong. that's why i was excited yes i love lynn's voice mm-hmm. uh, and we we thankfully get to hear her talk a lot yes. in this uh, in this scene because she's interrogating cora and they're going back and forth and in bickering kind of uh, cora tries to explain herself saying that it's her duty to help people she's the avatar and you know she pulls the avatar card and the chief is not impressed she's like yeah yeah i know who you yeah. are yeah, yeah um lynn also well, we're going to learn is going, going to become like a secondary foil to Korra. The mm-hmm. main one's going to be Amon, who we've already gotten a glimpse of in this episode. Uh, but yeah. this one is kind of less of a big, bad evil on the horizon. And I think more of like a personal, internal kind of foil. So I really like that. I do too. I'm really happy she's going to be in the show more. Did you get some like vibes off of her and Tenzin together? I got some vibes. Yes, I okay. did. I'm glad I'm not the only I one. I got those vibes. Like, I'm very interested about those too. vibes. Can't wait. <laughs> um, so Cora, in this conversation, tries to appeal to the fact that they have some shared history. You know, Lynn's mother, Toph, saved the world with her, with the former avatar, mm-hmm. Aang. And Chief Beifong just shoots her down saying like, that has nothing to do with the mess that you're in today. Like, stop it and this and that. Reprimands her saying, you're not going to go out and deal out vigilante justice like you own the place mm-hmm. this isn't your city mm-hmm. and yeah you're right Tenzin arrives and he and Lynn talk about the botched plans for how Tenzin was going to go to the South Pole and train the Avatar and they have this kind of like they know each other they have some history there were some certain vibes we were picking up but Lynn was very like 
standoffish. You know, she's like, listen, I have a situation. I need to settle this. And Tenzin says, okay, here's what we do. You drop the charges and in exchange, I'll cover all the damages for Cora today. And Lynn's like, fine, get her out of my city. It's interesting. She Tenzin. got her mother's stubbornness, mm-hmm. but not the charisma. Yes. Very interesting. Isn't that cool? It is cool. I like that a lot. Cool decision. Yeah. So Tenzin and Cora go to pick up Naga from a local animal hospital where we see our first platypus bear mm-hmm. from the Cora era. And while they're waiting, Cora tries to convince Tenzin to let her stay. She tells him that, you know, your mother, Katara, agrees with me. She believes that my destiny is in Republic City. And Tenzin gets testy at this <laughs> and says, so don't bring angry. my mother into this. And Cora does make a good argument. She's like, I'm not learning how to be a good avatar by being cooped up in a compound in the South Pole. And after seeing the city that day, she understands what he's talking about. There's a lot to be fixed, and she wants to share that responsibility with him. And so Tenzin thinks on these words as they make their way to Air Temple Island, where there's a couple members of the White Lotus who are supposed to escort Korra home. And this is where Iki and Janora and Milo arrive on gliders, and they're excited to see Korra and are like, are you going to stay with us? And she says, no, sorry, I got to go home. Mm-hmm. Finally, when Korra is about to board the ship, Tenzin stops her. And he explains... He's done the best he can to serve Republic City, but he's aware that it's fallen out of balance ever since the death of his father, Avatar Aang. He thought that by delaying Korra's training, he could have a chance to uphold his father's legacy, but then realizes now that Korra is his legacy. And so he agrees to let her stay and train on Air Temple Island. And this is where we get one of those iconic gifts where Korra lifts him and the kids up into a hug and then Naga hugs them from behind. I've used that gift a couple of times on Twitter. The next afternoon, Korra does a press conference to announce that she's going to stay on Air Temple Island as the Avatar. And the city's press flocks to the event. They pepper her with questions like, you know, what tells about your stay so far? Are you trying to send a message to the triads? Are you going to continue to fight crime Uh, or maybe the anti-bending revolution? And she's a little bit overwhelmed, kind of stumbles through an answer. But then finally assures the city that she's there to uphold Avatar Aang's intentions for the city to be the center of peace and balance in the world. And she ends her speech by telling them that she's looking forward to serving Republic City. But in a distant location, a man named Amon listens to the address on the radio. And as the broadcast finishes, Amon, who's standing in front of a map of the city and its continent, ominously comments that the arrival of the Avatar calls for an acceleration of their plans. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. End of episode. Bye-bye. Okay. I have two yes. more voice acting notes. Amazing. Yes, yes. To really end on a strong note. Um, the mm-hmm. voice of the lieutenant, who is the guy that's just like, are you hearing that? Like, you know, is that kind of guy like, are you hearing this, Amon? Um, is named Lance Henriksen. And I know him mm-hmm. most as uh, being the character Frank Black from the defunct uh, Fox show Millennium. It was like during the era of X-Files and they were trying to go with like that supernaturally sci-fi kind of vibe on the night that X-Files one, which I think was Friday. Um, okay. Yeah. Didn't really take off too well that I remember uh, the show or the animated series Tron uprising, which is delightful. You should, everyone should watch that. If you like the world of Tron, it's amazing. Uh, he voiced the character Tesla and he's also the voice as of Thralmar Farsi and the black Knight in hearthstone in blizzards hearthstone. Yes. Um, the, wow. the final strong like knockout blow for voice acting credits in this episode 
the voice of Amon is none other than um, Steve Bloom, who this guy is just he's like one of my favorite voice actors. Um, Spike Spiegel from Cowboy Bebop, Zeb Aurelius oh. uh, from Star Wars Rebels. He's basically the modern animated Wolverine voice. So not like the 90s animated series, but like more beyond that and like the yeah. 2000s and above. Um, Wolverine, Tom from Toonami. What? He's Orochi Maru from Naruto and Killer Croc in the Arkham uh, Batman video game series. Oh my he, gosh. He, it's just, again, a small sampling. He's done considerably yeah. more, but that's the more recognizable stuff that he's done. Like he, he is an amazing voice actor. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I was not expecting that. Yeah, it's wonderful. That's so cool. I heard his voice immediately and I was like, I know who that is. Mm-hmm. Like, I love his voice. It's just, ah, it just makes me, gives me like the, the, you know, you know, the voice acting fuzzies, mm-hmm. oh, like beyond the fuzzies. There's not even a word whenever he shows up in a thing for me. Like I just tingles, uh, tingles, fuzzies, sparkle, all yeah. of it. Fireworks. I get fireworks <laughs> is what I get. Uh-huh. Um, but that was the final voice acting credit that I have. Wow, that's so cool. So good. Well, that is it for the first episode. That's it. Amazing. What a good start. Amazing start. Now, Greg, Mm -hmm. tell us, Mm -hmm. what is your moral of the episode? While new beginnings can be tough, they can also be very exciting and have their own challenges. That's a good one. That's a really good one. What about you? Um, Don't be a vigilante. (laughs) Don't be a vigilante. Good. That's easy. I don't. Yeah, yeah. It's I'm gonna go with the silly one this time because I really, really like yours. Oh, thank you. Um yeah, no, I'm excited about the moral of the episodes going forward because we're in a, such a different world. You know, we went from I don't know if medieval is the right word, it's like feudal, maybe. The the time period from Aang to now, we're like into the industrial revolution of this world. And we have bustling cities and automobiles and radios, and like we're gonna have a lot of um difference differences in the technology and the culture and so i think that we're going to get some really cool morals and uh situations with the characters because of that but of course we talked about the moral now we're going to talk about who is your mvp of the episode greg my mvp this is what i've been waiting on for quite some time i've been teasing this for a while on my stream on monday friday evenings at 8 p.m eastern standard time at twitch.tv slash mr greg i feel like i've gotten a lot of um Messages. We've gotten a lot of messages, a lot of uh, emails, reviews, whatever, that just say, Greg, you hate Katara. You never talk about Katara, ever. How dare you? You're the worst thing about mm-hmm. this podcast, but this podcast isn't the same without you. You know what I say to all those people? What My MVP say? for this episode is Katara. <laughs> <laughs> Legitimately unironically not even being a troll which is kind of hard for me to do from time to time um this would not this whole series would not be happening if katara did not give cora the blessing her blessing essentially mm-hmm. so for me the mvp of this episode is katara finally katara gets some recognition by greg <laughs> but not even in her own series well you know what i would argue that <laughs> it is her series as well She's remaining. She's like the, the one remaining member that we've seen so far from Team Avatar. So yeah, she's got to represent. Yeah. Yeah. I think my MVP 
is Tenzin. Okay. So the other side of the elder elders who help Katara, or Katarasi, again. again, who help Cora, <laughs> the other K word, yep. into her journey. Um, you know, he actually, I love the fact that we got to see so much about him in the first episode. We're going to see so much more mm-hmm. because Cora is going to be living with them on Air Temple Island. But like, we've gotten little hints of his life and what has led him to this moment. The fact that he has always been the serious one out of his siblings. He has all these children, a lot of whom are airbenders. Mm-hmm. He himself is an airbender and the only airbending master in the entire world. Like, this man is shouldering a lot of responsibility. And he's also taking on the fact that he's like trying to keep Republic City together. Yeah. So not only is he holding the cultural heritage on his shoulders, he's also holding like the responsibility of Republic City on his shoulders. And so the fact that he was able to give Cora the time of day and then also realize in the end, you know what? I need to be here for her. Like Aang was there for for me, for my family, like he he also played a really big role in getting Cora where she needs to be for the rest of the series. He might be. Uh, he's going to be my MVP later on. I just know it. I just have that like gut feeling in my soul that there's going to be something that happens and he's going to just take the cake. I love Tenzin. I, love I know. I can't wait to see more he's of him. He's just like the perfect grumpy uh, <laughs> you know, yes. mentor yes. type. And it's, it's brilliant. It's another like harken to Star Wars almost, which is mm-hmm. really cool. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going through my notes really quickly. I think we hit everything that um, what I felt was important from the commentary. They did talk a lot more about other subjects. So if you're interested to hear more behind the scenes stuff with Janet and Bryke, I recommend you pick up the uh, any of the Blu-ray sets. It, it just the one that I have, which we which I think we both got actually mm-hmm. um, was the dual yep. uh, Avatar slash Korra set had it. And it was really cool. There's a lot of good stuff going on. Um, but all like the important stuff to the story we we hit, except for a pun. There's a pun that they made that was accidental where they're talking what about um, how they didn't want to like really rehash what happened in Avatar The Last Airbender. They wanted Korra to be its own thing and they didn't want to water down anything. And I was like, wow, I see what you guys did there. You didn't mean it <laughs> that way, but I took it that way. Nice. So, that was for you. It was Greg. just for me. I feel like from the from mm-hmm. the past. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you're watching us on YouTube right now, we hope you enjoyed seeing our facial expressions mm-hmm. and seeing us talking live about the episode instead of just listening to it and imagining, you know, two little stick figures talking back and forth. I've just been winking at the Avatar. camera nonstop, full disclosure. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know what else to do about it. Uh, yes. Thank you, everyone. So, so much. Uh, remember, if you caught up on all the episodes and you've done your re-listening and you know your favorite parts already... You can always join me like so many other have over at twitch.tv slash boostergreg on Monday and Friday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, never Wednesday. Um, And actually, you might see in the background, I have this wonderful piece right here of Team Avatar. Um, This this is really cool. This was actually uh, generously uh, donated over to me by uh, my dear friend and mod for my channel now, Dead Sniper 19, who also listens to the podcast. And I think his review is coming up next week. So... Very exciting. Nice. Just admire it. Say thank you, Dead Sniper. If you ever come into our chat, you could say it in the comments below right now. I think that's what YouTubers say, right? right? Or you can even say it in the in the five star review if you want. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't think you check those, Dead Sniper. but I do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you could also find me over uh, anywhere: Booster Greg, uh, TikTok, Twitter, 
all of that. Um, and also, if you're into TTRPGs, I'm actually in a Star Wars TTRPG over on Table Story, twitch.tv slash Table Story. I'm joined by many other wonderful, much more talented uh, role players, but it's been a great time. We're on episode nine, I think. We're pretty far into it. Wow. It's not super long. It's only a couple hours each. Uh, come say hi. Tell them I sent you, and then maybe they'll have me back. It's a really great show. And for anyone who doesn't know, Table Story is a role-playing channel on Twitch and they put so much love and production into their shows. Mm-hmm. It's not like a bunch of people sitting around rolling dice. No. It's like it's like a movie. Yes. Like I'm talking like music, uh, sound production, like a really engaging story. Mm-hmm. The chat is great. So it is really worth the watch. And you've yeah. also lent your vocal talents to a few Table Story things as well, if I remember correctly. I did. Mm-hmm. I did. I'm kind of a an all on-call voice for for Table Story slash Pumpkin Berry, who's one of the GMs. I'll get random messages sometimes. Are you still on? <laughs> it's 2, 2 a.m. I need something. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe one day I'll be on a, ta- on a Table Story show. We'll see. But I do have exciting news. Yes. Please tell me. Tell me right now. Please just stop stalling. Why are you stalling? Just tell me. Hurry up. Oh, you wait for me to stop talking. That's why. <laughs> I'm, I'm coming back to streaming. Yes. Yeah. So you can find me on twitch.tv slash acorn bandits, uh, which where is where I used to stream mm-hmm. like five years ago. It's been a six year hiatus. And I recently was thinking about it. And I have been secretly streaming on another channel that is more like writing slash authorship related. But I've been thinking about it and I'm going to come back to streaming. So if you want to catch me, I am not going to have an official schedule like Greg mm-hmm. here. I am in my bio. I say I am consistently inconsistent. So you can catch me on some days. Some days. At some at some Sometimes. time, which is probably going to be more morning streams, Eastern time zone related. Mm-hmm. So if you are interested in catching me, make sure you follow, turn on the notifications so you don't miss me. You get those notifications when I go live because who knows when it's going to be. But um, focus is going to be probably on drawing oh. and role play. Because, oh. yeah, because I've been role playing on Wild RP, right. which is a Red Dead Redemption based whitelisted role play server. And my character is getting into some fun things and I figure I might as well record might it. as well. So yeah, mm-hmm. we'll be doing that. Um, and whatever else. Yes. Uh, and quick thank you to all the uh, patrons who have uh, come and gone throughout our, our time and some that who, yes. who still remain. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I promise we haven't just been pocketing that money we've been saving because video editing is considerably more expensive than audio editing. And we knew this is something that we really wanted to do. Um, yep. so we really appreciate it. It really does help out if, um, you have not become a patron and you're thinking about it, you're kind of on the fence, uh, take this maybe as your sign to maybe go over to patreon.com slash after the podcast. And, um, if you feel so inclined, you can donate anywhere. I think it's from $3 and up kind of depends. We have been slacking on those rewards a little bit. We apologize. Um, but we do appreciate it each and every one of you. So please know that. And everyone who leaves a five-star review, go do the things. Please, you know where to find us. <laughs> we've, been, we've been at this for a while. You know, you all, know the all the things. things. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. When we cover... Oh, yeah. Coming up next time. It's been so long. I've forgotten about this. I know. <laughs> uh, Cora's new favorite pastime. We'll catch you all next time on Avatar. Avatar. The, the podcast. podcast. We got to get more in sync on that one. That's fine. We'll, we'll get there. We'll, we'll, we'll practice. Get All right. Bye, Bye. everyone. Bye. 
Avatar, the podcast, is a proud part of the Geek Generation Network. Remember to check out all of our podcasts at thegeekgeneration.com. Thank you.